How long gone? Um, a beautiful, steamy, steamy Tuesday here in Manhattan. Um, <clears throat> Jason, I was just sent um, a link by our friend Jeff Hendrickson uh, to something I want to share with you. I want to share with you from the website. Have you heard of Sotheby's? Auctioneers, yeah. I know those guys. Okay, you know those guys over there. So Jeff sent me a link to a uh, Grateful Dead uh, auction, like, like page um, where the longtime sound engineer is selling all of his t-shirts. Okay. So this is a this is a grail mine. It's a grail mine and it, it is the prices are obviously, you know, the lowest price you're going to get one of these ringer tees is 300 and they go up to you know, several thousand. The prices for this memorabilia, it's nuttier than squirrel shit. Jeff made the joke that this is actually for Burning Man relief, but that's not true. For, for burn, for uh, Bernie relief or Burning Man? Burning Man relief for Burning Man relief. Okay. Um, but it's it's just as I as I scroll through this, um, I am reminded, unfortunately, at how good the iconography is. It's it's just a nonstop hit parade of designs. Mm -hmm. Um and it it saddens me because I hate the music so much. But I just you know I'll share it with you. I, well, I mean, do, please do share. I I do have some collectors. Uh, Larry's expressed some interest in getting some stuff for the house uh, in Amagansett. <laughs> so, um, sure, of course. But of course. Are, are there any other examples of like a some a brand or a band or something where that that iconography, the logos, the, whatever it might be, you you love but you hate the actual product itself. Yeah, I was going I was thinking like Dr. Bronner's or something maybe. I love the Dr. Bronner's artwork uh fun, funny enough. But I know, but do you do you love rubbing their soaps on your body? Um actually yeah, I love Dr. Bronner's almond is a low key slapper and you got for all my body soap hive out there if you're at Whole Foods in a pinch cuz Santa Maria Novella's closed, go ahead and cop that almond Dr. Bronner's. Um but don't read the don't read the packaging. It might you might go to hell or something. I've never actually read it. I, I like um just a quick aside. I like body soap hive as if there's people out there who don't soap their body but they listen to podcasts. Well, I mean, I there's definitely there's definitely exist. people that listen to podcasts that don't soap their body. I'm sorry, I meant bar <laughs> soap because bar soap is the only one that does the job. Um, oh, and we're not going to get into if this. You use it's liquid, too early. It's too early for this. Shit. If you use liquid soap and a loofah and you're a man, you need to take a long look in the mirror. I do. I literally just, well, it was, it was one of those Japanese soaping rags. And if you're listening to this, <laughs> Goshi, 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 the Goshi towel. The, I, I need a, I need a re-up. Oh, yeah. I need a, I need a re-up on my Goshi towel. So you're, are you, okay. So the, the, is that something that you can do, Chris? Oh, I'm, as soon as you mention Goshi, it's going to show up at your house in 24 hours. Don't worry about it. They have a billboard on, they have a billboard in West Hollywood right now. Oops. I know. I I, I just okay. So you're saying New York is hot, to quote Fifty is hot as a tea kettle. Hot as a tea kettle. It's at the U.S. Open. It's right? It's disgusting. The players, yeah, it's Djokovic and Fritz are on, on the on right now. And during the the breaks, they're doing this cool thing I've never seen before, where where like they take their shirts off and they put on like a looks like a like a like ten tube socks tied together and they drape it around their neck because it's full of ice. So it's just cooling them down uh, yes, yes, on yes. on their break. Um, but yeah, it's it's hot. Like when I uh, like when I go take Mushu hiking at Runyon, <laughs> and I gotta cool him down exactly. afterwards. I thought you brought like a cute <laughs> pink fan that does a little mist of water, but this this. It, I mean, of course I do, but you know that doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. This heat out here. But these guys, I guess, because it's so hot, there's like a new rule where 
between the second and third set, if if one or both players requests it, they they give you a ten minute break to cool off. Which you know, hashtag cheating, but whatever. To quote twenty one, pussy. Yeah, exactly. Pussy. Like, come on, bro. Back if in you, my day, you're not even allowed to get a sip of water, or you would be shunned a goddamn bitch. I would say if you don't throw up, are you even trying? You know what I'm saying? It's kind of where I'm at with this. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, it's, well, it's hot. It's gross. To, to immerse myself in today's U.S. opening, I, I, I watched uh, some of the sets in the sauna today. Okay. Just oh, so I could so you, know okay. what it feels so, like to kind of be on ground zero over there. I knew you were an experiential marketer in your past, but I didn't know that bled <laughs> into your home life. Yeah. That's I, great. I love that word experiential because when when everyone started saying it i don't even know if it was really a word definitely not you know what i mean no that is 100 percent some agency mumbo jumbo that caught on in in a bad way <laughs> but but it also fe- it also sounds plausible that it is a real webster's dictionary word totally oh it's believe yeah it's believable it's mm-hmm. believable it's believable these grifters so i went to my uh mailbox today. today's j crew day okay you went to your mail your your po box i went to my po box and because they, they called me let's call it like it is they called me last week and they're like hey you got too much shit here can you come by and i'm like i'm sorry i'm, I'm in la i'll come by on tuesday and they're like okay no problem um as i've said before this is a chinese facility um and i'm the only white man that's ever been in there is the vibe and they're very cool to me and i love them um but <laughs> it's a chinese facility <laughs> it's a chinese facility it's uh it's so so i go to pick up my mail and yeah, I have I have I have I have my usual stuff, you know, my usual several packages and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Some Bunch clothing, of gas books, yeah. Some clothing, some gas books. And then there's the Helix mattress <laughs> has arrived to the to the and these these guys don't know what to do. This is they're acting like this is the biggest package they've ever seen. Um and it's just like Well, let's paint a picture first because it's not I mean we I, we got these and It's and not thanks, small. Thanks to the not good small. folks over at Helix Mattresses. They they're so they're king-size mattresses. So it's not what you think it is. It's not a giant king-size mattress. They've rolled it up into I guess a spring or a summer roll depending on what region of Vietnam <laughs> you're from. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say But but this but say this, it's a, it's a, this spring or summer roll <laughs> Also looks like a, a tool that you would use in a strongman contest to you know when yeah it, it's just yeah, like lift yeah. this bear lift this like two hundred pound sack full of grain yeah lift it up and carry and it like, up your uh, up your up your stairs throw it over your shoulder so they're like can you and I'm like I, so I went today I get this stuff and I'm like guys I I can't I can't do this right now like I I need help like I need to <laughs> phone a friend like I can't just do this myself could really use a wish right now and unfortunately I was in my workout clothing so they looked. They were like, "Really? It looks like you're ready to do this right now. You're already sweating. <laughs> looks you like your- looks like she's in her bag, ready to lift." But but so I I don't know what to do. I think I'm gonna I think I might have to hire a task rabbit to get the mattress into my house. Is that that feels crazy? No, not really. I mean, you you need a hand truck. And I don't know need, what else to do because like I I of course famously lifted it up my stairs they, they happen to be a flight of three steps <laughs> one but <laughs> yeah, yeah but yeah, that yeah. that alone with my flimsy ass you know of course you know i've been getting it in lately i've been getting my protein so it wasn't a big deal but it was it, i could not <laughs> look like I, a, could, a one person could not carry it up a staircase I did, well I, I know you've been eating a lot of protein but i did see the video of you trying to wrangle the mattress and it didn't maybe look like the protein had set in yet or something you were struggling well 
Uh, I would argue that your ass would struggle just as much. Okay, we'll see about that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just bring a videographer instead of help. Says the guy just... who still <laughs> has the. It, well, is the mattress still at the post office? Yeah, yeah. So you weren't able to carry it. Got it. Okay. Well, speaking of protein, no, no. <laughs> I, sometimes I I know. I mean, yeah, it's tough. It's not easy, and we'll get there one day. Maybe the next time I'm in New York, maybe you can help maybe me. Maybe I can go swing by and yeah, pick it up. That'd be great. I don't need any money. Buy me, buy me lunch. JG Mellon on you, something like that. That'd be well, fun, right? I'll, I'll get you a couple slices and a Pepsi. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Pepsi. That's right. That's <laughs> not what you even get, a full bitch. tub. No, you get Pepsi. You, get you hit me with the day laborer <laughs> Pepsi spelled with a K. Pepsi. So what I actually sometimes I am concerned about your plant based gains because you are a power lifter, notoriously strong man, black and all that stuff. But you eat, you don't eat um like a power lifter do uh, do no so how much how much protein are you getting nowadays oh, is this a concern of yours and your nutritionist i've never looked at that i don't this, it's like weighing myself i'm not going to start a food diary there's just some things i can't do mm. and i just don't i i don't know it doesn't i mean i'm sure i could use more but i also feel good so i don't care okay you know, I, I know it's something That's I should pay attention to, like the stock market, but it just doesn't interest me enough <laughs> to kind of track it. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I know exactly what you're saying. It just seems like um, just an interesting blind spot for somebody who's yeah, but who it, is this. But, it, but it's um, like a chosen blind. Like, I know the information is there if I want it, mm -hmm. but I don't want to complicate my life with it because I already don't want to eat anyway. So if I have to think about eating even more, it's not going to make me like it anymore. It's going to make me like it less. You know what I'm saying? The last, what I, I forgot what comedians would talk about, but like, I don't need another thing. Yeah, it's another thing. Just to put it, it just to put it simply, you already have, we already have so many damn things. I have several. Well, I, I was wondering because you and I, you and I probably weigh around the same, and I'm, and everyone, you know, the notorious, you know, muscle building yeah. um, adage is one gram of protein for every pound of body weight. You know, so let's say, so um, you know, I'm I'm gonna call it 200 pounds. I I weigh a little bit more than that, but just to I'm so I'm just like, all right, my goal is to try to eat 200 grams of protein. 200 grams, bro. That is hard work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The only when I think about grams, it ain't when I'm thinking about protein. Um, I mean, so I, like I made a smoothie, like a. a a protein packed smoothie with some ladder. Yeah, yeah. You know, that has like 30 grams of protein in the powder alone. Yogurt, a little almond butter. I, I and I had a four egg omelet. <laughs> I'm eating all of that. I'm still I'm not even halfway. Yeah, I'm not dude, even halfway. This is there. what this is what I mean. It's like all this stuff, I, I know it makes sense and I know it works, but it's just like, do I want to feel like shit all the time because I'm stuffing my face with protein? Like I can't. I just can't do it. But also I didn't really feel like shit. Well, that's good. I ate a four egg omelet and, and an hour later I felt brolic. Good for you. Well, I think that could be because we're, we're. I felt like I could put in put in rounds. We're we're gla like blueface. We're glazing over. Congratulations to blue to blueface and and uh, Christian Rock on their baby. Yeah, I think that that kid just got arrested for arsony. I just I just she, read on the she Twitter. she live she live she live streamed the birth and was like, <laughs> people were commenting on the she birth. live like, streamed the inception too. She, <laughs> that's true. Blueface crazy crazy girl house. <laughs> Um, well, I, I, Jason, we're <laughs> skipping over. We're skipping over something that's very important. And yesterday was not just uh, a holiday. Um, you know, it was it was oh, no. them jeans birthday as well. Um, and I just want to make Dim sure Jean's birthday. It was also Labor Day. We, whenever your birthday falls on Labor Day, it's tough. You know, it's tough. I don't ask for much from this world. But yeah, the, the God, God dealt me a rotten 
deck of cards, didn't he? No, that's that. That's it's almost as bad as cr- a Christmas birthday. You know, what I mean, truly cursed. <laughs> but yeah, I just I want to say I want to say from me to you, happy birthday. I'm glad you're here. Another year on this beautiful earth. You're what, 47 now? Yeah. Thank you to all the. It's it's funny. I never thought I would receive the old man jokes. You, you hear about them on TV. Well, you read about them, and the amount of DMs I got from people saying like, "Hey." 54 never looks so good or, you know stuff like that where everyone's having a good time with it i don't mind it i guess it's better than the the messages i received telling me i'm an idiot for not knowing that taylor fritz's girlfriend was army hammer's first victim and she dated morgan wallen <laughs> but you know we've all got blind spots you know uh and and then people i've never met in my life begging to get on the list for this strokes party tonight it's actually a j crew party featuring the strokes yeah you know what and I mean. shout out to bryn and uh, shout out to bryn's mom she just posted a, a text yeah. where Bryn's mom was telling Bryn to procure a New York Mets cap because he's a big fan, and that's how she will be able to finally land Julian, I guess. Uh, we have a guest today. Uh, Patrick Raiden Keefe is, is going to join us. Uh, you probably know him from his work in The New Yorker. Uh, most recently, the big Larry Gagosian profile, the king of the write-around. Uh, um, but his uh, he's written several books um, the most recent Empire of Pain, The Secret History of the Sackler Dynasty, um, which is obviously a, a, a subject close to my heart, um, is his, mm-hmm. that's his most recent. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's, which I think, and on almost every one of his books has been adapted to a, a TV or, yeah. or f- documentary film or, you know, he's got one of his books is, is being adapted by A24 right now. He's, and he's, he was, uh, the host of, that podcast wind of change that came out a couple of years ago is really huge i didn't know he was a podcaster but he's also got two master's degrees and a law degree and i just want to say leave some pussy for the rest of us you know what i'm saying it's like relax dude you don't need to be the best podcaster too of course he's taken but uh he also follows me on twitter which seems odd for somebody of his uh, intelligence and pedigree so maybe he is maybe he's a little nasty man himself and he wants to kind of run around in the dirt in the playa with tj he doesn't. So I have a lot of great questions <laughs> planned for him. He doesn't want to do that. Okay, got it. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, let's give him a sprightly jingle and uh, see what kind of... Never mind. We could do that. <laughs> How Long Gone is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp. You know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves bit of a travel agent so for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions we were spent off obviously off clock going through you know hotels ferries car rentals restaurant recommendations it's as if i have two wives i have two wives inside of me and uh yeah sure sure yeah so uh it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists you get one that you really like you guys are gossiping. You guys are chit-chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting <laughs> therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com 
slash how long. Nice. How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh. And internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code how long? All one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raf on the nut. <laughs> Dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. PRK. PRK in the, in the motherfucking building. PRK Solutions. <laughs> Sounds like a great company to work for. <laughs> great guys over there at PRK. They really helped me out with my 401. Patrick, could we get a little uh, little mic check over there just to make sure you're sounding yep. good? Yep. Can you hear me? I had a yogurt for breakfast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Look, I don't want to know what you had for breakfast, all right? <laughs> what is this, Conan? It's, just it's, kidding. It's always it's always what I go to, man. I know. That's what that that's what everyone's go to is. They always want to know. The sound engineer always wants to know what you have for breakfast. Oh, really? Because not oh, yeah. only does it give a give a great audio test, but it's kind of a nice icebreaker, lighten the mood kind of vibe, you know what I mean? You know, exactly. It's a classic industry trick. I don't want to stay on it for too long, but was this real yogurt or coconut? <laughs> no, so this was there is this fantastic yogurt that I've discovered. I have to let me find Patrick, the, no, the, pa the podcast has started now. All right, we got Patrick here. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff, but we're here to talk about yogurt today. High source yogurt. of protein, that yogurt, right, Patrick? It is really good. It's called. Hold on, let me make let me make sure I have the name right. It's yeah, it's called it's called white must white mustache. Okay, I know okay. that yogurt. That is the have you, best. Have you yogurt, had this stuff? It is so good. Ever. What flavor are you going with? Is it really? Yeah. Uh, so fig, fig, fig. That's a twisted. Fig. That's a twisted choice, Patrick. That's a twisted choice, Chris. That's racist. Oh, it's so no. fantastic. It has this kind of. Um, it's got this kind of. Uh, bear with me, but it has this like almost grainy quality. I wish we had a writer on today who could use some words. <laughs> who could a, describe descriptors? So we call them. You're saying that the yogurt has a mouth feel that is pleasing to you, and that's part of the appeal, not just the fig flavor. Yeah, and it's also just the yogurt itself. It's the whole package. Uh, I've had this before. It's uh, I think it's a family-run business. It's a yogurt done in a kind of Iranian style, I believe. Exactly. They have a sour cherry. Exactly. They have like a honey one, but they have a fig. Uh, my, uh, but even just the plain one, it is so velvety and luxurious and smooth. It's a real yogurt lover's yogurt, you know? It doesn't need anything. This is what I tell myself each time I pay $7 for an individual portion yeah it's one of those yogurts it's the equivalent I, I i was talking about sushi just moments ago but when when you go to a sushi place and the the, the piece of sushi is so good they say no soy sauce <laughs> it's like that but yogurt you know i will say i like no granola no granola please i please. always no i cheese. always defy that though at a sushi restaurant what yeah yeah always yeah 
pretty much why because i because I, th- I think everything tastes better with soy sauce no respect for the japanese culture what's up what can i tell you man you're a dip i'm a dipper i got a dip what can i tell you i got a dip <laughs> um so it looks like chris said power flashes and zoom quit yeah it's just just you and me Maybe he dropped his out. Zoom went it was, out it was when he when he found out about my my soy sauce uh <laughs> Habit. Okay, I guess we can we can pause for a second. Where are you? You're in California. I'm in California. Yeah, in uh, in Glendale. Excellent. You ever been to Glendale? I've never been to Glendale, but I, I live in Westchester County, which is like Glendale of New York City. So oh, yeah, so, you, so you've never been, but you know a little bit about <laughs> Glendale, perhaps. <laughs> I've got I've got enough 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 to form a to form an opinion. How how much of that is? Is from listening to this podcast zero. It's it's it's, it's purely it's purely from, it's purely from the one hundred percent. In fact, oh okay okay okay. No, the power's back on. It's all the power just flashed for a second, but it like shorted out the fucking zoom. I've never seen anything like it. it's weird. It sounds like Chris needs some surge protection. I was gonna. It's taking all my restraint not to make a Burning Man joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So Chris is back. We we're talking about sushi and stuff for a minute and uh, and all that shit, but. So you are experiencing a, a Burning Man style event. You're sheltering in place in New York. You are having brownouts. Is that right, Chris? I, I don't know. I don't know what just happened. It's, it, but the internet is now out, and I am the power is on. But luckily, I'm able to tether thanks to our friends at AT and T to finish this podcast. So thank you to those guys, the first responders. Does Does Spectrum Wi Fi know that this is J Crew Day? I, I mean, I I don't think anyone told them, but I'm sure we can send out a smoke signal and they'll recognize it. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. I'm sure you guys. I'm sure you guys were fine on your own. I trust both of you. Yeah, we were good. I learned he we he said that Westchester is the Glendale of New York. What do you think about that, Chris? I think that is accurate. Actually, that feels good to me. Do you live there, Patrick? I do. Okay. I said. I said that I know, I know nothing about Glendale other than what I've picked up from from listening to this podcast. So okay. That may, that may have helped shape my opinion. <laughs> you're telling me that you've never visited Glendale just to kick the tires and see what's going on out there when you're in L.A. That's crazy. What's well, on his to do list now? somehow never i've driven through okay sure well i think westchester i've actually i don't know if i've ever been to westchester but it's considered to be kind of like a nice green leafy suburb just outside of the city you can get in here in the volvo in 45 yeah exactly yeah it's just it's just outside the city we're like 10 minutes from the bronx um it's 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 pretty and easy and dull okay sure on, on average sure. how many like smash and grab robberies do your malls have <laughs> uh, not not so many i don't think I, I feel like i'm not as attuned to what may or may not be going on at the malls so i, I can't speak with any confidence but i don't okay, okay. all right excuse uh, me J- jason this guy does pretty well he comes in the city to do his shopping you know he doesn't shop out there in the malls with his neighbors <laughs> there you okay. go i mean yeah. some of them are high-end high-end luxury malls so I, I walk past some of them are amazing. I, I went to a place my i went with my son so my older kid went through a he went through a phase where he was doing rubik's cubes okay <laughs> okay bear with, bear, bear with me here and the he got into compet competitive cubing which is a huge thing Shit. and i'm familiar with competitive cubing i've seen it on my explore page oh, are you? i mean i don't know much about it but i've seen a lot of nice looking young people who complete rubik's cubes is in in seconds yeah in no time yeah i mean what's funny is he could he could do it in under 30 seconds but then when you when I try and praise him, you know, to him, it's like that that ain't shit. Like you don't even okay. Yeah. So we went to this we went to this event, 
at the Palisades Mall. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I think I just saw like the world record was like three seconds. Like some some kids said it a couple. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I saw that too. Actually, that was recently, Jason. So it has been making headlines. It's been making headlines. So yeah, so thirty seconds. Your your child is saying. 30 seconds is horseshit. I'm not even going to hit qualifiers. You don't get out of my room, dad. I fucking hate you. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't make it to the didn't he, even make it to the semis. He didn't make it to the, yeah. to okay. the semis at this day long <laughs> event at the Pal at the Palisades Mall. But the mall itself has this incredible. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a um, it's like a a multi-story uh, kind of wire thing where you like you 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 know, it's like being in the, it's like being an Ewok. Whoa. You've got like all of these different kind of wire contraptions that you can walk over. So you're sort of harnessed in and you can climb up basically to the top of this five story mall, which is, I found that is quite terrifying. That, okay. It was a big attraction. Okay. So, but this is a paid opportunity. You're, you're given somebody 30 bucks, they strap you in and you start climbing. You have to pay to do it. But what was interesting was that it, it basically, they found this lucrative way to fill the dead space, you know, in a, in a mall. Oh yeah, sure. Mall. Sure. Um, anyway, I was encouraged because I've, I've always sort of thought the malls is like, this thing from my childhood that's dying, but in this case, they are, they, Mall, it's come back. they are dying unless you come to beautiful California where they're all outside. Um, and for some reason, those seem to succeed. You mean like a strip mall? Oh, no, sweetie. No, I, I mean like the Grove or the Americana, which is near oh, Jason. I see, I see. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like these, yeah. it's, it's, it's like when you discover, when you're a kid and you discover that like high schools in California have lockers outside or they have like, the baggage carousel at Burbank is outside and it just blows your fucking mind. That's, That's kind of how I feel about being able to hit the Nike store exactly. at the Grove. You know, it's like it's it's walking distance from my house. This is amazing, you know. Um, so is your son a nerd or is this just a phase, you think? He's not a nerd. It's a phase. And in fact, he's kind of passed through it already. He kind of moves from Interesting. thing to thing. But he had about, there were about six months in which he always had a Rubik's Cube in his hand. And he would, he would actually say, you're not even supposed to call them Rubik's Cubes because the... The good ones aren't Rubik, like Rubik's cubes oh. are kind of slow. It's like the Model T, you know. Okay. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. Of course. So he, you know, like, if he heard me saying Rubik's cubes, he'd be rolling his eyes. Dad, you that. fucking not again. So that's no, no, the exactly. equivalent of it's just um, cubes. That's like somebody calling it frisbee golf instead of disc golf, right? <laughs> Wow, insane. nice, nice parallel, Jason. I'm glad you brought it home to something that you can relate to. Uh, it's a, honestly, I don't. I'm not bragging, but it's a perfect parallel. It is. No, it is. But pa Patrick, did you? Okay, so you know, I know this is what kids do. I kind of, I, I had my phases as well, but I, I feel like because of the internet and what children have access to, they move through these phases at a lightning speed. So you fast. Know? Yeah. So if yeah. you, Absolutely. what what is your favorite one so far that maybe you've kind of taken? For yourself, like are you, I'm sure you're not cubing, but maybe there was something that stuck with you. Is there another autistic hobby that you're proud that he has adopted? <laughs> right, that I that I picked up That's along right. the way. No, I mean it's in a kind of encouraging way. Like if you gave me a day with a with a cube, I couldn't. No way. There's no. There's no way. Our brains aren't. Built. I just my brain isn't wired that way. And my and my my. My son kept talking about how it's like, you know, it's easy. It's an algorithm. And I feel like, no, no, no. You don't understand. I don't. That, 
Nothing, nothing about that sounds easy to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does not make it better. That makes it worse. The only thing that makes it easier, I'm assuming, is Adderall. Yeah, right. yeah definitely. That's, that's definitely that's Adderall. Helpful. That's helpful. That's that's a. That's a I, I just haven't heard. Yeah. So did any have any of them stuck with you, or or, or do you just you're an innocent no, bystander? Really. Okay. I mean, I was. I'm mostly an innocent by, bystander. I was happy. Um, they got into vinyl for a while, so he's got a little brother. They're 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 ten and thirteen. Okay. And they they got into. I like that. There's a little bit of. Um, so for these kids who've who've you know grown up in the last ten or fifteen years, they're, they're these kind of pure digital natives. Just the idea of of physical media is extremely exotic. Yeah, you're like this is how them. daddy makes mm. his money. You guys should try yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> no, I know, I know these huge stacks of magazines. The um no, but I mean, so it's like whether it's whether it's records or like band t-shirts or just you know like yeah. anything that um that uh feels like a reaction it's not to, digital yeah the, to, to growing up in a world in which everything in which you don't know what any of your favorite bands look like uh, yeah you only know the one inch by one inch square that comes up on spotify on your yeah, iphone yeah, yeah, you're like right. oh these guys are actually pretty hot this is cool i, I love this yeah, yeah damn these guys rock <laughs> yeah i mean i a vinyl i mean the way that vinyl has moved into this territory of like a way to support the artist versus a way to listen to music because it's it because like the the Swifties have changed it where it's like we'll pay fifty dollars for a special edition of Taylor Swift vinyl that we won't ever open but we just want to support her and have the object. Well, so I, you guys would know more than I would about the economics of the, is that true? Like, is it true with vinyl that they're actually getting a bigger share? Yeah. It is okay. Well, it's because of like stan culture though. It's it's not because of right. like audiophiles or like you know guys our age with their record room and their japanese listening totally. system you know <laughs> it's like it's like your 10 your 10 year old is going dad take me to barnes and noble and pay 50 dollars for this record so i can take a picture of it and i like yeah i want to get i want to get the same record in all four colors yeah, yeah. exactly I, re I read something something recently that was that was kind of interesting about the specific subject saying that back in like the 60s and 70s the heyday of vinyl almost the same amount of people were buying vinyl without actually playing it only only like using it ornamentally as decor in your home or you could say that like like it used to be a cool hit place to hang out at a record store and you would you know you would just collecting vinyl mean means you're a cool person in general and almost the same amount of people weren't playing the records back then as they are it. now that's interesting damn so that's they crazy like, they were like the books of that era Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> they read one Warhol quote, and you're buying books, right? At least, at right, least, right. you know, at least they're not organizing their records by color. You know, for the Zoom background, it could be worse. You know, it could be worse. You just gave somebody a great idea, Chris. <laughs> now, I mean, I think that the, but I don't. I, I just find vinyl to be very cumbersome. You know, in general, it requires so much. But I do. I can. I can only imagine being like a digital native, like you said, and like how cool that object would feel and be if it's completely new to you. Totally. And like the liner notes and all that stuff. Yeah, all I the mean, good the, stuff. you know, the art. Yeah, just the kind of fetish object quality of it. And of course, like I do, I mean, you know, for me, it's books and magazines that I that I do, but I, I take some comfort in the idea that people... Like you'll you'll take it. You think want, they still want an object on the coffee Yeah, you're table. like, it's good for whether, business. Whether they've read it or not. <laughs> Patrick, do you, do you know, do you remember the last book you threw away? Uh... So I'm embarrassed to say I, I throw away, uh, I throw away books a lot because I get, because I you get got too many. Sent, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Cool. I get sent, I get, I have way too many books, but also I just, I get sent a huge, I get sent a huge number of books that I don't necessarily 
ask for or want. Yeah, it's like it's like me and streetwear. The, the publishers send them. <laughs> yeah, I get it. We all have that. Do you, do you throw away? Do you throw away a lot of streetwear? Yes. God only knows. I ask. I, I will say with books, what's interesting is like I don't. I can ask for any of them, and they'll always send it to me, which is not true about most other industries. Do you know what I mean? Like if I email a publicist at Simon Schuster and say, I want right. this book and it's not out yet. They'll send it to you. Yeah. 10 times out of 10, they're like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Which is is nice. But I know what you mean. Once you're on the list, you're fucked because they just don't stop. It's one of, yeah, which is true. I mean, it is one of the weird things about the the business that is still mysterious to me is that the book business, you know, it, I mean, it the economics and the and the kind of, I think, prevailing trends are actually better than the magazine business and yet there are all these weird aspects of it like the fact that they send huge amounts of free books out you know i mean it, <laughs> it, it is strange i remember when i first yeah. realized that i could write to a publisher and say hey i write for magazines will you send me a review copy of this book and there was no, it's not like they ever checked in afterwards to find out if i was no definitely was not writing no, no, definitely not they're just like yeah here you go mr black please enjoy you know um and i i i appreciate that but it is it does feel like it's from a different time you know, it's like that kind of approach. But what is the, what is your thought on the importance of a cover? Because I noticed that your cut, you know, yours are mostly text based, and we see what happens. You know, these books go viral because people are carrying them because of the cover. Do you care about that? Or are you like my shit is good? Like the cover is the cover. No, I care a lot about the cover. Um, and in fact, I um, my. The book that so I've published five books and the and the book that yeah. um, the book that sort of was a was a bit of a turning point for me had a fantastic cover and in a weird way I think if it hadn't had such a good cover I think it might never have found the kind of audience that it did really? like it was yeah because it was just it was a it was a tricky but it was this book called Say Nothing which is about a murder during yeah. the Troubles in Northern Ireland and it's kind of it's 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 you know, it's about this complicated history, but it's also, um, yeah, that's going to need a good cover. Cause I, cause, uh, <laughs> your description of it is you already not grabbing you are, me. You already lost Jason. No, but the thing is, look at, <laughs> look at, I'm telling you, I'm telling you though, look at the cover. It had like, it had to do all these things. Cause it's also, you know, it's about a murder. It's, it's, there's a kind of true crime element there, but you don't want it to be tawdry true crime. And we got this guy, Oliver Monday, who's now, I think he's like the artistic director at the Atlantic. Now he's done two of my covers and um, it was just perfect. Like it took him, it took him very little time. He turned it around, and it was just one of those things where you've seen a million bad versions that don't do what you needed to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking at the cover right now. There's there's a nice set of eyes, Irish eyes. <laughs> yes, plus Irish eyes. Irish eyes not Irish eyes not smiling. Yeah, yes, yeah. Exactly. they don't do that. That's well. I mean that that makes sense though. I think that like especially depending on the subject matter, it can really sh it can really move the needle you know, um, to get people in the well, door. I mean, and to me, that's the most important. It's, it's the, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you to turn the pages. I'm, I'm actively trying to write in a way that will, you know, where you'll feel the undertow and you feel like you need to keep reading mm -hmm. the, the challenges. Can you get people to, you know, to open the book and start like, I, once, once you're there with me on the first page, I'll do the rest of the work, but the, but the cover has to do a lot. I think. Damn. Well put. I, yeah, I would get him, no, get him through the door. I'll take it from here. Patrick's a real closer is what it sounds like. <laughs> I was listening to you. I was listening to you earlier a little bit um, 
on like a Barnes and Noble podcast, I think, which I didn't know those guys were coming for our checks too, but we can take that up later. <laughs> you, uh, they're, uh, they're after you. Yeah, they're after me. Big book. Uh, but it was, it was, I think Barnes and Noble's coming after any check possible. Th- yeah, that's, they're selling vinyl. I know that for sure. Um, <laughs> I, you know, and the, and the, the, the host was asking you about kind of the right around yep. and like, how, and, and I'm familiar with this term, um, you know, and I, I, I'm sure Jason, I'm Jason might not be, other people might not be, but if you could explain what the right around is and how that's something, that's like a tool that you use often to tell the story. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of journal, a lot of journalism is very driven by access, right? It's, it's driven by whether or not the person you're writing about will sit down and give you an interview. And this is as true in some ways, this is as true for, whatever, an athlete or a singer as it is, um, you know, it's true for like criminal figures, political figures, CEOs, whatever. And I think it's often the case at newspapers and magazines that if they, if they can't get the interview, they just sort of say, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll take our toys and go home. Keep it moving. Yeah. And <laughs> unless we can get Gretzky on the horn, this thing's dead in the water or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. then forget it. It's dead. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, no, but I mean, no, but I mean, to give you a good example, right? Like the New Yorker has not, you know, and you, <laughs> we could argue about there being maybe other reasons for this as well, but it's like the, the, there are big, obvious people in the culture that we haven't profiled, right? There's like, there is no, big Kanye profile in the New Yorker. That Thank you for that. saying that. Thank you for saying that, Patrick. And we've turned it down a few times now, but how long <laughs> gone? Yeah, if you yeah. want to do it, you, you know, you, we're you willing stand, to come. You to stand the, ready. You stand ready. We'll come, we'll come to the table if you're kind of running the ship. Patrick, he actually goes by yay right now. <laughs> can you can you bring Kanye is the question. So no, but I mean the, you know, with a lot of these people, right? The they won't they won't cooperate and then mm-hmm. it's done. And for me, what I do is I do a lot of the time I'll do these write arounds where the person says, no, I'm not going to play ball. And then I just go ahead and write about them anyway. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which is, which is becoming, I think more and more necessary as a lot of high profile people are refusing more, more celebrity than maybe in the business world. But you know, like Beyonce is not going to let you interview her. She's going to write an essay, 100%. and that's what you get to publish. You know, like it's a blessing. Right? She'll 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 like she'll get paid a ton of money by Netflix to executive produce yes, a documentary exactly. about yes, exactly. herself, exactly, you know? which she yeah. has final cut on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see why if you're that if you're the cultural figure, mm-hmm. that's a more appealing option. But I mean, the thing for me is is what I'll do is I'll just write about them anyway, and that means tracking down lots of people who've known them, who they've. Mm-hmm. worked with who you know like ex- ex-wives i'm forever calling ex-wives i guess i've always wondered this when, when kind of someone has no skin in the game unless maybe in some of these instances they've been like wronged by by the subject so they like have a bone to pick but like is it when you i guess like why are people so compelled to share is it is it because they want to tell their side of things is it because the person has wronged them is it because you're compelling as an interviewer, so they feel like opening up. Is it all of that? I get to be in a newspaper. Yeah, I there's that. Be, yeah, exactly. There's that. Totally. Though a lot, though a lot of the time, the people you're quoting don't. They don't actually. They want to contribute, but they don't want to be named. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The no, I mean it. Very. It's totally different from person to person, right? It's like I wrote a big write around about Chapo Guzman. Yeah. And there, the the case that I make. It's like if I talk to a DEA agent or like a Mexican drug agent or a former member of the cartel it's a different pitch that i'm making to each of those different people yeah of course <laughs> you know and then and then i just like i just did this big profile in the new yorker of larry gagosian and the funny thing with larry is that like he's 
he's such a huge figure in the art world, in this tiny world, the art world, that actually there were so many people who were so desperate to be quoted in the piece. <laughs> yeah, like they, like yeah, I, yeah. I would call, I would call them and they'd be like, did Larry tell you to call me? You know, it's this <laughs> kind of, the, you know, for them, like all of their power, um, their sort of perceived power is like in like where are you in relationship to the Sun King? Mm. You know what I mean. So for the for that kind of person to be quoted in an article about him, just happy to be here. I see. It's like it's a ba it's a badge of honor to be standing there. You know, in the in the eyes of the chasing of the, clout the subject in your pages. Yeah. Who do you think's more connected to the Sinaloan cartel, Ch Chapo or Gagosian? Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes, Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners... Our listeners, 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long. That's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Korea World is a new cookbook written by Dookie Hong and friend of the show, Matt Rodbard. The New York Times best-selling authors of the book Koreatown. Korea World is a vibrant exploration of the evolution of Korean cuisine, both in Korea and in Korea towns across the United States, with more than 75 bold, flavor-packed recipes and stunning photography. The authors take an inside look at the exciting evolution of Korean food through stories of chefs, home cooks, as well as recipes that are shaping modern Korean cuisine. The book begins in Seoul, where the barbecue scene is pushing into new territory and where the city's third wave coffee culture is exploding. The tour continues with late night food adventures in Los Angeles, my hometown, and stops into the kitchens of innovative chefs from New York City to Portland who are putting modern spins on Korean classics. Recipes include giant short ribs, whole fried smash, rockfish, and pineapple kimchi fried rice. I'm sad I didn't get to name the foods and you did. <laughs> Korea World is essential reading for anyone curious about the future of food. Available wherever books are sold. <laughs> then or then or now um yeah right, i mean right. chapo's 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 kids are still pretty active i mean chapo's a funny story because he because i wrote a i wrote a i wrote a write around of him because he was in prison and and you know presumably didn't want to talk but the um 
But then after it came out, he actually asked if I wanted to ghostwrite his memoir. So really? sick. You're like, you know what? What's the money looking like, Chapo? He's like, oh, by the way, you don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get the silver, you get the lead. <laughs> right, right, right. No, but that was that was actually what I worried about. Was it was the the thing that was funny was the guy who called, was a lawyer who called and asked, and I said no on that call. I was polite, but I was just like, you know, I got a lot of stuff going on. Like, what if it like what if it went sideways? You yeah, know? and um. Mm-hmm. But what was funny is he called he called back like a week later and he was like, as you continue to consider our offer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's cool. I'm gonna start doing I'm, I'm gonna start verbiage. doing business like that. I wanna start doing business like that. That's smart. Hopefully so they haven't mailed you a broken Rubik's Cube in the mail yet. <laughs> yeah, not, <laughs> Thank not God. So well so I mean okay. gotta keep, gotta But I will that. say that when you're you know, you've tackled pretty I mean, it's almost always someone, you know powerful or, or a, you know, whatever. And I, whether it's the Sacklers or it's Chapo or even Larry, um, you know, and I do think there is like a little element of kind of, you know, intrigue and suspense and even a little fear from time to time. Or are you going in there, you know, chest out like, fuck y'all, I'm getting answers. Uh, it's kind of both. You know, it's like the, you'd be <laughs> stupid. You'd be stupid not to be aware not to be yeah not to be a little yeah, afraid sure, sometimes sure, like in the case sure. of the sacklers they were threatening to sue me for two years it's this like awful billionaire family who had a lawyer writing me letters mm-hmm. um for two for two years like i'd be i'd be irresponsible not to take that seriously what's right? the grounds yeah. of something like that like like defamation is it like really general just to scare you or is it like hyper specific lawsuits well so the funny thing is it was like yeah in theory it's defamation but yeah. This this guy who's a really incredible guy. I wrote about him in the book. His name is Tom Clare. He's he's worked for lots and lots of people. Where it's like if you're rich, and somebody is out there writing about bad shit that you almost certainly did, <laughs> he's the guy that you hire to like try and intimidate the journalist. He's the doctor with, they told like, you to go see. Yeah, and so he and what's what's amazing about him is it became kind of a joke with with. Um, so my friends at the magazine is that you once you know about him, it's like a Where's Waldo thing where it's like, you get, you know, like you're reading like the Scott Rudin profile in New York magazine and you get to like paragraph 18 where they talk yeah. about how like Scott Rudin once like, <laughs> like He's there. pushed an assistant out of a moving car. And then they're like, and then they're like an attorney for Mr. Rudin, Tom <laughs> Clare. You know, it's like this thing where it's like that you, you find the terrible person um, yeah. and he yeah. often will show up somewhere mm. in the... Uh, somewhere in the piece. So it's like stuff like that you got to take seriously. And the, and the, and obviously the, um, in terms of like physical violence stuff, I, I'm pretty careful. I don't, you know, my wife has a, a, a pretty highly attuned, um, you know, antenna when it comes to the risk of this sort of thing. So the, <laughs> she's like, all right, put, all right, phones down, Patty, it's time for bed. We're not well, doing no, this. I mean, we had this, we had this hilarious thing that happened. I don't know. This is probably a year ago now where we have home offices that are just next door to each other, but I have the printer and I got a tip about a story <laughs> involving the Russian, the Russian mafia. And so somebody like texted me all this information and I print, I'm so old school. I work with paper. So I printed all this shit out and I left it on the tray. And then I went off into the city and just had a day of meetings. And then I came home when I came home, she must've had to like print something out or something. Cause all of my stuff that had been in the printer tray is sitting on my desk. But there was one piece of paper there, um, which had been like taken out and separated from the others. And it was a, it was, there had been like a death threat 
this it was like a complicated story, but there was a death threat. So somebody sent like a string of text messages in Cyrillic, like in Russian yeah, text. Yeah. And then there was a photo of a dead body. Oh, and I shit. printed out these. I so I printed this stuff out. And my anyway, that one is on the top of the little stack of paper. And 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 somebody had written in magic marker, no. Damn. And she was that, just like, I, you're not doing it. I mean, that feels like you came home from school and your mom had found the porn magazine under the bed. <laughs> and know, you know exactly. what I mean? And just put it on top <laughs> of the bed I can to let you know that we I can found explain, it. Man. Babe, I can explain. I can explain. Look, they're Russians. They're just extreme guys. They're this just crazy guys. Are. Right, exactly. I think that's a good I think that's a fair time for her to step in. You know, I don't want to I don't want to get involved in your marriage. In the it marriage. seems reasonable. Yeah. It seems yeah. reasonable for her to step in there. Listen, it's it's always it's always a conversation. At this point is is information coming to you from like every facet, like from a text message to a signal, to an email, to like a letter mailed to your house is like, is it pretty extreme? Yeah, it's all the above. I mean, and it's hard because I think like one hazard of doing this stuff is that I need my email address to be out there and findable on my website. And it's, you know, it's like I, when I was working on the book about the Sacklers, like Richard Sackler's college roommate from the 1960s looked me up and Whoa. emailed me out of the blue. Like he was not a guy I found, he found me. Yeah. And so you have to be there for, for those emails, but that's like, that's one out of every 500 emails and the rest are about, you know, Dr. Fauci. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Wait, how did you? I I thought I hid my email address better than that, but I guess you. I guess you knew it was me. I guess you knew it was me. <laughs> oh, so you did get it? Wow! <laughs> exactly. Oh, you never thanks wrote me that. back. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the thanks for the four hundred and ninety nine emails. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. No problem. It's um, my pleasure. Well, speaking of speaking of the Sacklers, have you have you ever tried OxyContin? I never have. It's funny. I've gotten this question before. I never have. It didn't feel. Uh, okay. It didn't feel totally essential have you let me, let me tell you something let me tell you something patrick it's not it's great and i'm glad you didn't try it um it's it's uh, as a former uh oxycontin addict connoisseur. It, it, yeah connoisseur that's a nicer way to put it i like that um i i find that i'm it, that's interesting though i feel like maybe you would have been tempted or not even so the first thing to say is like the drug does work for some people right like there's i think there's a version yeah, of this of story which is like it's like, it worked. It worked for me. I just gained thirty pounds. Yeah. I mean, there's a version which is like it's it's heroin pills. Like it has no medical, uh, no medical use, and that's not. Um, that was never my position. I think it actually is a is a remarkably effective yeah. painkiller if you're prescribing it for the right things in the right way. Um, so you're saying it has been abused? Uh, it's been abused, but the other thing is it's been it was marketed. So the whole thing with OxyContin, right, is that is that up to that point, drugs like that, that that are opioids, right? So they're chemically related to the opium poppy. Yeah. Doctors would prescribe them, but only in really severe situations. And the whole marketing push with OxyContin, and because they were worried about them being addictive. And the whole thing with OxyContin was they said, oh, it's okay. It's not addictive. Like, we should prescribe yeah. it for everything. You know, that if you have, whatever, back pain, sports injuries, um, <laughs> you know, arthritis, post-operative pain. It's like if morphine wasn't addictive, so cool, you guys gotta try it. This was really, their their pitch was they were like, we've hacked it. Like, we figured out a way to do it. And there was no real basis for, for saying that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, the other thing is, as a writer, there's a certain kind of writing where it's like you get to whatever, chapter 20, and then the writer talks about how they tried OxyContin. And I just, like, I generally find people describing their, their drug experiences to be, all right. Well, thanks for listening to How Long Gone, Patrick. Um, that's uh, yeah. Hold on. I mean, Chris. Chris, listen. Prove me wrong, Chris. 
Could be wrong. Uh, no, I don't have any good. I, I was more referencing. You've Jim. never had your wife tell you a dream before? That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what do you mean? No, but I, I think that like, yeah, I guess there's a level to ingratiating yourself in the subject matter that is is not beneficial to you as the writer. There's a line where it's like, I don't think I need to go that far. Like I've got no, this thing don't. kind of you handled. Don't. I was just wondering if curiosity got the best of you. Oh, but I mean, the thing is, I've talked to so many people, right, where like I've got I've got it on pretty good authority <laughs> um, that it's that it that it can be a very enjoyable I've heard from high. several experts yeah, that oxycontin yeah. rocks as a high mm-hmm. and yeah. I I can speak I to like that I confidently like I, I've, I've done my diligence on that one So when uh when something's getting adapted for for the screen wh- which one are you more kind of uh, a stickler about or you have more opinions about like the ca- the casting or or the soundtrack I mean, I think casting is more important. Um, yeah, okay. And casting is fun. <laughs> like having having done casting now, it's it is kind of amazing to get to. You know, there's there's some part, and somebody sends you. You get some great casting director, and they send you twenty little two minute videos of different actors doing the scene. I don't know. I find that aspect of it incredibly fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, soundtrack. Nobody. I mean, you know. It's like nobody. They don't ask you. Nobody's they don't ask you. For, for that. Nobody's seeking me out for my for my. Uh, like, are you like Jennifer on, Lawrence on, for this on one? All right, great. Uh, but I do. But I do. I do have. I mean, I. But listen, I. So I did a. I did this podcast called Wind of Change. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get to that. I saw your little award. I saw your oh, little award. Uh, best podcast host. Is that fair to say? There, there you go. I think I think so. This motherfucker got a Webby. You got. <laughs> where do you keep that? You keep. I got. I got. I mean, if it's te- technically three Webbies. <laughs> three Webbies. <laughs> okay, where do you keep? Oh, the, where do you keep the Webbies? Do you keep them in the bathroom in the office? Are they above <laughs> the mantle next to the Emmys? Like, where do they go? Safe deposit box. They're, yeah. In fact, if my camera, if my camera was on, wait a second. No, it may have only been. T- I think I just. I just. I think I just inflated my Webby count. <laughs> I think it may have only been two Webbies. <laughs> Uh, it takes a big man to admit when he's made a mistake like that. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, <laughs> I'm only a two-time Webby winner. But the that's fine. Um, fine. No, I I keep the Webbies on the bookshelf right next to my. So that's here's nice. one. My my Ambies. Do you know what an Ambie is? The Ambie is the podcasting award, correct? Well, so here's the thing. You know that now, but when we the year that we swept the Ambies <laughs> was. <laughs> <laughs> the, the it was the first it was, it was incredible. the first year that they'd done it no it's the first year they'd done it so we basically we got these emails saying like there's this thing called we've just started this thing called the podcast academy and we're gonna have <laughs> you're like i'm good do we have to do this <laughs> for a small donation we would love to nominate yeah. your podcast wind of change yeah. i know and they're called the, they're called the ambies which just struck me as a very inauspicious name you're like i love i love brian Eno as much as the next guy but do we need an award for ambient music well, I don't oh know. see i was i was going with ambient i was just going, I was going ambient with, yeah know, sure yeah, that's true yeah but the um the ambies it's a it's a snoring contest so all right swept, so did you like ambies podcasting are you going to come for our money too or is it a one-time thing loved it i'm coming for you okay so well, you were able to sweep at the ambies even though wind of change did not have a ending I mean, it had an ending. <laughs> it had a final. It had a final episode. <laughs> I think. <laughs> no, I, Jason. What, maybe a, a satiating resolution. Yeah, Jason wanted more of a resolution, and I, I think that I don't know if that's on you to discover, or maybe the story just ended. Not there. to Emma Klein you, but you know. <laughs> oh. 
Um, <laughs> Wait, what was what what was the term called before when when you write about somebody and and write around, write around. So you wrote around the ending, maybe. Is that what you could call it? This is. Um, see, I can I can handle this. I after after <laughs> after years of people coming up with their complaints about the after like I, I mentioned my email address is uh, available on the internet. Um, every every day every day I, I wake up to some extremely long email saying some version of of what you just said. The um, I just think it's funny. So here so here's the thing. When certainly when I'm writing. F- f- for magazines, I think it's very hard to write a mystery story and not solve the mystery. I think people get pissed yeah. off mm-hmm. if they totally. spend an hour reading an article and they get to the end and, and you don't, you kind of throw your hands in the air. I do think podcasting is different. And I think it's partially because with these like long form narrative investigative podcasts, I think it's because it, it all kind of starts with serial and the people were sort of conditioned into the idea that, um, that you can like go through that it's more about the journey than the destination and so forth. Mm-hmm. I also think a big part of it is that people are walking their dogs or doing the dishes or working out or whatever it else, you know, they, that they're giving you less of their mind. That's what I said to, that's what I think. I think it's more of like, a, I was entertained. Yes. Like I liked this and I was entertained and like, I went on the journey totally. and I think you're right. It has something to do with kind of how it's being consumed. Yeah. And I think that for, you know, for, for, for most people who listen, for like 85% of people who listen to Wind of Change, that's the experience. There's always going to be people who get to the end and they're like, what? You didn't completely solve it? Uh, I, I, you know, like I want, I want my hours back. But, the, but, I, but part of the reason I did it as a podcast was that I knew going in that like it's, a, you know, if, if in fact the CIA, the CIA wrote a heavy metal ballad, then it's an incredibly classified covert activity, which is going to be difficult to like, you know, convincingly prove and if they didn't it's a negative that's also going to be difficult to prove so i sort of knew we'd end in an ambiguous place but i loved it i loved doing no it. it was a great podcast i'm only giving you a hard time a little bit in a fun way bring it man bring it man send me an email i want to hear all your thoughts <laughs> yeah if you could if you could send me the google doc that'd be great um I, you know <laughs> and, and when the change a, is a beautiful song i don't whoever they got over whoever russia has over there in the lab I don't know, Mark Ronson writing the music. Yeah, I agree. No, I think there's some. What a tune! I I didn't I didn't listen to the show. I mean, I'm familiar with it because it was, I remember it was a big thing. I don't really listen to podcasts. I I do enough. Um, but is the was this story was known before? But you just went deeper than anyone had gone. Uh, it was the only place the story was known was inside the CIA. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. That, okay, that's amazing. Then. So then basically, I the, the the rough br- the broad strokes are there's a conspiracy that the the Russian no, it's not the Russians. It's the CIA. Basically, that 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 the CIA yeah. the CIA wrote 19, it. 1990, 1990, the Berlin Wall just fell. This heavy metal ballad by the Scorpions is released called Wind of Change. It becomes a huge number one hit all across Europe. And it becomes like the soundtrack to the end of the Cold War. The Soviet Union collapses. Like young people are singing the song on the streets. Yeah. And the the birth of the podcast was I got a tip from a source of mine who said that that song wasn't actually written by the Scorpions. It was written by the CIA. Mm. And the podcast is trying to get to the bottom of that. And you said cha-ching. It was super fun. It was super, super fun. I love doing no, it. It's a, that's, that's, the, that's the type of shit where I'm like, I don't... I, maybe my frustration was not with that the ending did not have a 100% rock solid ending it was maybe more of like if this is going to be like a serial style podcast then let's not end it until you know let's not ever end it no so it's funny so i did it with this friend of mine michael and that's very much his perspective as he's like he was furious that we end in this inconclusive way he wants us to do 
a million seasons trying to get to the truth and for me i bet his broke ass does <laughs> i sort of scratched the itch i'm all good it was a big it was a big podcast i'm sure i'm sure you guys made a nice little chunk of change i wouldn't want that that party to train to end either you know well it's funny because i don't i've there have been opportunities to do other ones since and i did have so much fun doing it but i just haven't found the right thing and then it's i wanted to ask you guys because some of the stuff that comes up is stuff that's more regular kind of weekly like i you know the ability to do something that's a bit more regular and i i look at what you guys do. I, I, is it not exhausting all the time do you not hate each other <laughs> um oh jason hates me uh for sure um but no i i think that this not a fan this yeah he's fine the kind of the, just the, the relentlessness of it seems i mean i realize it makes it makes these shows work right is this for the listener it's great that there's always episodes mm -hmm. but for the host it just feels like a, it, it feels like a treadmill it's it's yes but i also this is the only kind of podcast i would ever consume or i find interesting and i also think jason and i are for better or worse like extremely plugged in to what's going on and pay attention to it naturally more than other people do so it's like not a labor to talk about things does that make sense like it's not a big deal yeah that there's you, you guys always have fresh material yeah it's like is that, is that, that yeah that whereas like the idea of like going to a studio where a producer hands us 20 pages of notes and we like do this whole thing and have to listen to edits back. Like that doesn't interest me at all. Like I, I couldn't, I, there's no way I could do that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound fun, but I obviously, I know the, the end product is different too. Yeah. Yeah. But Chris, Chris and I, if, if, if people are going to sit, sit around and grab a cup of coffee and gossip and talk shit and all that stuff, like, we're we just happen we've we've done it our whole lives and we haven't gotten sick of it really so you know we might as well do it and put ads ads underneath it as well and, and <laughs> yeah. yeah make a cool living doing it shout shout out to DraftKings once again yeah but i think that the no i mean i understand what you're saying and i think it's like the the few shows i do listen to um are a similar style to jason and i and the same thing happens where like I know the cast of characters, I kind of know where they're gonna go, and I think even tapping in with those guys occasionally, like reminds me of why this works the way it does. Yeah, we we have we have no employees, we we have no bosses, we can do whatever we want or whatever we don't want, and if something is not working, we could change it without having to ask you anyone. Yeah. No, I mean the autonomy part. Yeah, I completely get that. The um the it's the it's like the tempo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the tempo is the tempo is absolutely stupid, but we committed to it and it's like kind of something that is I, I think it's a huge linchpin in any success that we've had. And it's like once you I mean, I'm 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 a big Jason and I are both Virgos. Happy birthday to us. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're we're both pretty like you know, it's like consistency is a big part of our lives. Like we both like our kind of like our creature comforts. We have our habits, good and bad, that we kind of go back to all the time. And I think this is kind of one of those things. Like you slot it in and you're doing it and it just, it feels good to check off the box, you know? It feels good to slide in. Hey, it works. But I, I, and I know what you mean about listening to other podcasts too. I do, I do think on some fundamental level, and I don't mean this in a, uh, I don't mean this as shade, but it's like, Hmm. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not even talking about you guys. I'm talking broadly speaking about the, very broad. The I'm sure. I'm sure. Very reasons, broad. The reasons that these that these kind of you know same cast of characters two or three times a week uh, podcasts are so it's Cheers. 
Mm-hmm. Totally. Right. Yeah. Like, like it's the, it's the familiarity of, uh, of a sitcom, of, of, of a sitcom, right. Of a, of a, cast a very characters. special, how long gone? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it is, it is, it is like that. And that's the, that's the feedback we hear a lot. Like that's the feedback we hear a lot. And I mean, like this has been, you know, this has been investigated by people much smarter than, than I, but you know, the parasocial shit is one of the most real things that is like, that is something that podcasting has shined a light on. Wait, so I don't even, what, what does that mean exactly? Parasocial basically means because people listen to Jason and I talk three times a week, they think we are friends and they have a relationship yeah. with us, but that is strictly one-sided because we don't know them, you know, or anything yeah. about their lives or whatever. So totally. it creates this, it, it creates this like dynamic where it's like, you get a very dedicated and like devout. Here's a good following. example, Pat. You know, you know how you think you're best friends with Don Draper, but he's not a real person. It's kind of like that. I mean, he is to me. <laughs> yeah, you're like I not decided, to burst your bubble. It is. It, yeah, it's a character. Same kind of thing. Same kind of yeah. thing. But yeah, it's people are so like. So I'm like Don Draper of Spotify's. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I think you drink a little bit less, and you're not quite as good looking, but and you're not as successful. But there's some <laughs> other parallels. There's some other parallels I see. I'll take it. But yeah, I think that's what it comes. I mean, that's like podcasting's whole thing. Like I can read all your books, but I don't know anything about Wait, you. But here's my one question then. So does it get? Does it get? Does that occasion weird moments then when you go out and meet real people who feel as though sometimes, yeah, sometimes they know you really well and you have no idea who they are? Yeah, people don't come up to me because they think I'm like an asshole, but it happens to Jason a lot. Yeah, I mean, the only times it ever gets weird is if if somebody's like drunk, like if you if you have a person who like clearly listens like every episode and they 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 feel as if they know you more than they know some of their friends or family. And if they're drunk, they might start kind of spewing a lot of truths that maybe <laughs> they shouldn't have spewed. And Patrick, as you can, that, as you, that's when it can yeah. get a little dark where it's like, yeah. oh, geez. but also like, thank you for your service and loyal yeah. customer base and all that stuff. But like, and, mm, and Patrick, mm. as you can imagine these, th th when this happens, it's always like a 28 year old dude who's been overserved. You know what I mean? It's not it's, it's always it's always exactly who you think it's going to be. Sometimes it's ladies. It's the 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 parasocial drunk how long gone fan. Yeah. That's that's what our sh that's what our shows are and we love them, honestly. Like 9 9 times out of 10 it's great. So you got to take the you got to take the the L. It's a sign of success. I mean, I don't mind like it, it it's I I've had a lot of bad jobs and I've had a lot of times in my life where I did not make uh where my life sucked but i you know to, in order to make money and if i got to talk to a couple drunk people who are like you're so awesome you know it's it's really not a fucking big deal oh if that's yeah that's i was i was going for darker stuff than that if this is about drunk people telling you how awesome you are then yeah that sounds that, <laughs> does, that doesn't sound too how bad. uh do you have an example of something dark <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> any ideas well no i mean no but no but to give you an example like i i years ago i wrote a, a big piece before he died i wrote a big profile of anthony bourdain mm -hmm. and that was a guy who everywhere he went, he encountered people who really thought that they, mm -hmm, yeah. that they knew him, you know? Yeah. And um, I mean, in his case, what it meant was that like everywhere he went, people were offering him food and booze and, and like drugs yeah. um, and um, getting, and if he didn't have, um, like he wouldn't, we would do, we did a few events together and he would always have a thing where he wouldn't stay and sign 
books. And for me, like I always sign books. If I have to stay for an hour afterwards, I'm happy to do it. It feels amazing to me that people have bought my book and would wait in line to talk and and that's, you know, but I'm, yeah. but I'm dealing with a, a yeah. kind of a manageable number of people and interactions for him. It was just one of those things where he was like, I'll be here till midnight. It won't be pleasant. So then it's this thing where he's encountering these people who say, who've like bought tickets, waited in line and they have their dog eared copy of kitchen confidential that they bought in, you know, 1999 and have been carrying around ever since. And they want him to sign it. And he says, no, <laughs> and these are sober people. But on some yeah. level, they're like, yeah, they're like, like, wait a second, fucker, <laughs> you know, like we were, we were supposed to have. Yeah, a moment. I mean, that's that's like the Eminem song, Stan. You know, that's that's the difference between a fan and a Stan. You know, people forget that Stan means it's like also kind of dark. Yeah, it's very yeah. dark. I mean, I think that also, yeah, I mean, that's a good example though, because I think he he really does. Like, I I liked Bourdain. I thought he was cool, but like the devotion that he had is kind of. I don't understand it fully, like the way people worshipped at the altar. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe you have insight since you spent. I, I, think he, I understand it. Is he that compelling? Is he that compelling? I think it's because nobody, or everybody else in his same situation, was so inauthentic that his somewhat authentic depiction of his personality shined through so much more just in comparison to how fake everything else is. That's that's so well put. I mean, I yeah, I think it, it was exactly that. It wasn't it wasn't actually that he was 100% authentic. Like the guy he played on TV or on stage was not the real guy. Yeah. Um there there was a difference there, but but there was a kind of devotion to authenticity and the idea of authenticity. Um I mean, I could give you a million examples, but just to give you one for 20 years, people were coming, investors were coming to him, throwing money at him and saying, we can open a chain of restaurants, you know, nation, like, well, we'll whatever, we'll start in Vegas, right? And go from there and it'll be your restaurant and you won't have to do very much and you'll make a ton of money. And his response was always in this kind of humble way. He would say, like, I'm not a great chef. Like my best friend, Eric Repair is a great chef. I was a cook. You know, I was a cook for 25 years and I could broil steaks and make good French fries, but I was not a guy who was out here, you know, designing really compelling menus. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so on that basis, he, he just, he wouldn't take the money because he felt as though anything they produced would be inauthentic. And I think that there were a bunch of instances like that where he, he kind of made the, you know, the difficult and less remunerative choice, but kept it real. Um, and that that meant a lot to people. He also had enough money, I guess. He didn't need uh, his Guy Fieri airport lounge. Oh, he was he, he was he, he was he was doing fine. <laughs> he was doing fine. So Guy Guy Fieri, I feel like there's somebody. In fact, I think it might even be our our mutual friend Jonah Weiner. There's somebody. I feel like there, Guy Fieri is going to make a comeback. I feel like there's a there's a certain like counterintuitive. Take, he was already well, no, Guy, he was, Guy Fieri isn't that bad. He was already well, he wasn't, and then he took a picture with Trump at a UFC thing, and they all turned on him. Oh, I see. Recent, I very recent. I think the guys uh, guys Renaissance happened a few years ago, where and, and Tony was probably his biggest enemy. He he before he passed, he would talk shit on Guy Fieri all the time. Emerald back in the day, yeah, and then I think everyone sort of agreed with Bourdain at the time, and then uh, and then Guy sort of slowly killed everybody with kindness, 
it's the Skrillex effect. It's like, hey, he's he's the nicest guy of all time. You know, <laughs> he's just he's just he's just he's the best. He's the nicest guy. So you gotta just be like, you're you're down with it. It's all good. But um, well, yeah, he's also probably kind of a bummer dude who's like into Trump and stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think people are come because he's just good at his job. Because in comparison to everyone else, he's the only one who's authentic. Yeah, ish. Yeah, even if the, you don't like the authentic, which I don't, I recognize that it's real in that case uh, wait this is authentic guy theory yeah like he's definitely like that guy because in comparison the average food personality on on food television it's some of the most fake shit you've ever seen like even moms and like housewives are watching like nah this is like this is I, too crazy yes I, I mean i guess i just I, it was hard for me to get past his presentation because it, it just looked like his whole look felt to me like somebody well, somebody course. in high school who decides they need a look yeah well i think he did decide he needed that look in high school and then he stuck with it and it kind of worked out for him i think he's the rare case well, it also does... you walk through any airport in the middle of america and 40 percent of the people are dressed not dissimilarly like, yeah like, that's true though that's true <laughs> yeah I'm, no doubt and, and people who have, who have uh, large sums of money as well you know it's just yeah, you know, it's it's like ups, upscale Margaritaville. It's interesting to wonder if uh, if Bourdain had lived, whether he would have reconciled with Guy Fieri, because you know he did reconcile with Emerald. They ended up yeah. actually becoming pals. There's a great moment in that in that when I wrote that piece about him, I had this conversation with him because he was going on and on. We were in in Vietnam, and he was going on and on and on about Henry Kissinger and how much he hated Kissinger and like Kissinger shouldn't be able to get a seat in a restaurant or any of this shit. Mm-hmm. And I and I was like, yeah, but you know, you've always. I was like, you used to talk that way about Emerald. <laughs> He's like, well, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, and no, no, without skipping a beat, he was like, Emerald didn't bomb Cambodia. I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, sure. That's funny. I mean, I, th- I do think I, I, I think near the end, I think it's all it was like with the show, it just became like pretty heavy handed and, and the, like the, the travel and the politics side of it, where it's just like it kind of to me, it got away a little bit from what the magic was. And I think maybe that. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I I liked it. The more I liked it, more the more it got away from. Because the crazy thing that people forget is that the those the first iterations of his show, um, before the Travel Channel, it was on. I don't even remember what channel it was on, but the um, Cook's, Cooks Tour. Yeah, Cooks Tour. A Cooks. If you actually watch a Cooks Tour, the whole thing is it's like gross out stuff. It's just him eating nasty mm-hmm. shit. You know, Fear Factor. Joe Rogan's Fear Factor. It I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to watch that, but I also don't want to learn about like poverty in Africa while he's eating rice. Like, there's a fine line to me where it's like <laughs> you can educate the viewer a little bit, but let's not like. I don't look at him as an authority on that. I look at him as a guy who's good on TV. Yeah, but see, to me, the the magic of, and we may have to agree to disagree. The, the 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 magic of it for me was that he could actually get CNN to pay and get people yeah, to yeah. like watch a whole episode about Congo or um, through the lens, you of know, food. or Beirut or whatever through the through the lens of food. But that that was the kind of a uh, that was like the, tr- the sort of the Trojan horse for it. Yeah, yeah. But every five minutes, when you're eating the food and you're on horseback in some crazy <laughs> Saharan desert. <laughs> You ha- there has to be a part where he goes, "Ooh, goat testicles, yum!" You know, there, he still has to have that little gross out. Thing, I need a know? cold. I need a cold. Can we get a cold beer over here? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I think, but I, I mean, I, I guess you're, you're right though. Like, I think that that part of it being a little bit of kind of like subversive in a way, 
um, as far as like getting CNN to to do things they might not normally do because it's coming from him under the guise of like food and exploration right, right. is it is a net is a net positive overall whether I I'm gonna watch it or not it doesn't matter totally and I also think it's I mean on some level why if you're gonna be him and 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 accumulate the kind of clout that he had you know I mean do what you want to do you know like his his thing was he had no, he, totally, he totally. had completely lost interest in the food stuff mm-hmm. um. By and large, and didn't like wanted no. I mean, in part because obviously, like the whole sort of industry of shitty food porn shows, sure had had grown up, you know, in the years that he had his. Yeah, he had done it. Well, I I, I hate to ask this question, but it's something we've talked about on this podcast a lot. What do you think about his untimely death? What do you think the true story is? I mean, I don't know, man. I you know, it's funny when I um. When I got that assignment to write that piece, I had I had just written a series of really depressing stories for the New Yorker um, about just war crimes and terrorism and um, one awful all the all one, the fun, one, all one, the highlights all, all the good all stuff the, all the good stuff one, all the good stuff <laughs> one awful uh, one awful we're trying to touch all the bases but the um, and my uh, and David Remnick uh, the editor of the New Yorker said basically said like you know what would you want to do that was fun and I said I want to travel around with Anthony Bourdain. I really want to spend, you know, some real time like eating and hanging out with Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the, the whole piece was supposed to be this fun lark. And I remember halfway through calling my editor and saying, this has gotten really dark. Like this, this guy is not in a good place in his life at all. Um, it was like during the time I, I spent a year working on the piece. And during that period, his marriage fell up. It was one of those things where when I initially met him, and I met him and I met his wife and it was like a story about their happy family. Mm. And then the marriage fell apart and um, he, I don't know. I mean, I, it was very clear to me that he was in a pretty bad place and that in a kind of strange way, I do think that, that there was this paradox with him, which is that he was, he was like a deeply depressed person who had, yeah. who had a f- total fantasy job what a job that is for most people just an absolute it's like mm-hmm. you you know his, in the in the piece he has this line where he's like he said that when he pitched cnn he said i'm gonna travel around the world eat a lot of shit and basically do whatever the fuck i want like that's the description of the show and they were like great you can you know <laughs> you can have a show doing that and i think in a weird way it made it harder he was sort of hip enough to, to how crazy it is that he could be unhappy when he had that job mm. that that only that that only oh, made see. it worse in a way because it's like why can't i why can't totally. i even enjoy this you i'm know? so fucked up i can't even enjoy the best life of all time yeah exactly so i don't yeah i don't know i mean i you know i saw the documentary i've read all the books i don't it's in terms of the relationship i mean that clearly was a toxic bad relationship i don't totally i, I but at the same time like you know he was in a bad place and 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 i think I I just there was a weird thing that happened um, with what's what's her name I'm blanking on her name Ozzy Argento, where yeah. where where there were a whole bunch of people especially people in his life who basically were like, um yeah he committed suicide but basically that bitch killed him yes and, yes yes and that and that that to me felt I just I feel like you can't I I, I just think 
it's a serious accusation to th- to fling around. Yeah, and I and I think people are complicated, and things ha- and and you know, suicide is complicated, depression is complicated. I to me, the it felt a little. I'm not I'm not absolving anybody. I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but the idea that it just felt pretty grotesque to me that everybody was like, okay, history has decided that mm-hmm. um, it's this woman's fault that he killed himself. Do you know what I mean? I, and I I don't know. Um, yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. It's a good point. You may disagree. I don't know, but that was my perspective. No, no, I think that's. I think that's. I mean, I think that was. There's the- three sides. To every story even with a crazy bitch involved that's true that's true we've all got them um all right patrick thank you for joining us on how long gone today it was a pleasure <laughs> on, on that on that incredibly upbeat note thanks again for bringing it down patrick <laughs> jesus fucking christ yeah once again <laughs> so, so this is what this is what i do guys, all right well don't you know? worry the second round we'll get we'll just start with war crimes and go from there but this time you know and, and start we took there. it easy on you this time but no thank you for joining us um you guys can follow Patrick's work uh, over at the New Yorker. Of course, there's several books you can buy at your local Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, go cop. Turn those. on your your television. Flip around any Hulu or Netflix. He's got he's got some skin in that game. You can watch some sack. He's got shit. his fing- <laughs> he's got his finger. He got his fingers in the pot. Did, did you, uh, uh, right, oh, Patrick? You for- did you like the the Nan the Nan documentary on the Sacklers? I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that was kind of happening while I was. Um, you know, while I was writing my book and, and then, um, Nan was kind of the, you know, she's sort of one of the heroes of my book. So yeah, I thought, I thought it came together really well. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. I thought it was great. I was, I did not think it was going to work with the, the footage kind of stitching back and forth between her personal diaries and the opioid crisis, but really found a way to, to work and have it all kind of flow together. I was impressed. Yeah. No, I thought it came together really well. Thank all you, right. Patrick. Well, thanks, Patrick. We we had a great thanks, time. Guys. We appreciate you uh, taking the time and and uh, kind of slumming over here with us. Yeah, we we like. Uh, yeah, we love to, Yeah, we love when people come down to our level. That's kind of where we feel the most comfortable. Listen, so thank you. Listen, for that. man, I'm just I'm I'm just coming at you from a, a very parasocial place right now. <laughs> okay. so, so glad we glad, glad we can make it official. All right, deal. All right, we'll talk to you soon, thanks, Patrick. Guys. Thank you. Take care.